And he was actually quoting a, a prophetic word from Isaiah 61. And the prophet, years before, years and years and years before, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he was prophesying. He was saying, somebody's going to say this one day. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, bring recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are bruised, to set the captives free and the prisoner, and to bring God's favor. That's all these years before. And so Jesus one day walks into the temple, and the guy gives him a scroll and says, hey, you know, we have readings every day. So here, what are you going to read today? And he picked up the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are bruised, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed it. He closed the book and he sat down and he said, today, this scripture here, it's fulfilled in your ears. In other words, I'm the one, God is on me, and the reason is for those categories. Well, he says, as he is, so are we in the earth. So it's not just about my relationship. I mean, I love that song that Kylie was singing. I love to worship. I know I'm, I'm a little hoarse. Hopefully I can get through this whole teaching without me completely losing my voice. But I love that song. And he and I have amazing time together. But it's not just about he and I. He wants to flow through me to touch others. And he wants to do the same with you. And so when we talk about hearing God's voice, part of it is for me. But part of it is for those who are on my street. Part of it is those that I may meet at the gym. Part of it may be somebody that I, that I meet at Wawa or ShopRite. An Uber driver. A waiter or a waitress? Might be a family member? We've got to make sure that we represent him. We represent him well, not, not weird. Don't go spooky. Don't go crazy. Just say hi. Hey, how are you? We've got to get back to doing things like that so that we open the door for God's goodness to come. So we're in this thing, learning how to hear God's voice. We're going to do some practical things. This past Wednesday, we were, we're learning how to quiet ourselves down and get into, you know, using every part of us, every part of our lives. You know, learning how to fix our eyes on Jesus, learning how to tune in to when I'm looking at Jesus, when I'm quieting myself down. Now, my faculties my abilities, my, the way I'm wired. He's got access to So he starts giving me thoughts and pictures. So I've got to learn how to engage the ears of my heart and the eyes of my heart. I have to learn how to engage my emotion because sometimes God will give me an emotion and it represents how he's feeling. If I don't do that, then I won't love the person that I'm walking past. I won't love my family member who maybe we had a disagreement. And God is saying, I want you to go and fix that thing. So God uses our emotions, our eyes, our ears. He uses our will. And then our words matter. Our imagination matters. And so we say, learning how to hear the voice of God, you've got to add more in than just me reading the Bible and then trying to hear what a preacher or a teacher or somebody may say, what is God saying? Before, there were prophets. But now he says, we, we are the ones that people read. They read our lives. We are living epistles. We are living letters. We're read of all men. And so we want to make sure that we're saying what God wants us to say. And that's not pressure. I'm not trying to pressure you. It's like, oh, you better say what God says. No, no, no. Just like we learn how to walk as little babies. My, I remember um, Pam's got a timeline on her, first, her Facebook page, and, and these things come up. And so it's the fifth year that our granddaughter was born, and um, Pam got some pictures. And we're looking. Her name is Melody Grace. And we're looking at little Melody Grace learning how to walk. 
learning how to talk. I remember yesterday, Pam showed me, uh, my son Ryan and, and uh, my daughter-in-law Emily, they had, <laughs> they, had, they had Melody and they're doing a little video thing and they're saying, say hi, my mom, hi, papa. And she's like, ah, 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 ah. she's trying, you know, she's trying. But that's how it is when we're learning how to hear God's voice. And just like Ryan and Em were there in a positive, healthy, loving way for Melody, we've got to have people in our lives that lovingly show us how to walk, show us how to hear God. And sometimes we make it too spooky and, and ritualistic and it's just not good. And so I want to say something to you and share something with you today to show you that even when we're hearing God's voice, it, everything should flow out of love. Everything should flow out of love. Tell me about your relationship with God. Well, you know what? I'm trying to do the right thing. See, we're already starting off wrong. It's a loving relationship with the Father. It's not about, oh, I got to do right. I got to do wrong. Because if I don't, man, I don't know. That's why I'm really not so much into doing altar calls at a funeral. Because a funeral... Your emotions are already, <laughs> they're already out there, man. And then you see a dead body up there. <laughs> you know, it's already, you, so you come in, you're like, all right, Lord, I'm doing the right thing. Somebody says, will you come to Jesus? Yes, I'll come to Jesus. There's a dead body up there, of course. I'm coming to Jesus. But it just doesn't last, man. The fear doesn't last. Which is why God wants you to respond to his love. Now, there was an Old Testament picture of God and people and God showing that he is holy. And the ones who didn't, there was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of damnation. There was a lot of that stuff. And it got to a point where people were like, ah, we need a savior because we can't do this thing ourselves. And right when mankind got to that point, the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. He didn't send Jesus right after Adam sinned. He wanted us to get to a place where we were desperate, get to a place where we saw it. Even the law was a schoolmaster, the Bible says. It's sort of like a tutor to show us, yes, is God holy? Yes. Is God good? Yes. Does he have standards? Yes. But we also realized that mankind couldn't keep those standards on their own, and they needed a savior, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he represented me. He is my attorney. He's my attorney. That's what he is. He's not my prosecutor. He's my attorney. And he represents me before the righteous judge, God the Father. He becomes a father to us. He's still God and he's judge, all of that. But when we accept Jesus, he says, I, I get to birth you out as my own. So for years as a, as a young guy coming up in church, little guy, man, I only saw God as judge. I only saw God as God. I only saw God as disciplinarian. And as much as I love my dad and my dad led me to Jesus, that was the part that I, I just didn't get. And so next generation, thank God the revelation came. And I love the fact that my dad led me to Jesus. I love it. But I also love that when I turned 18 and 20 and 21, I started really seeing some things that my dad didn't have. Even though his heart was for God, it didn't come off as a father. I started learning about Father God. And so now I go back. You know, I ended up, I ended up preaching over my dad. I mean, it was the coolest thing. But without him, I couldn't do what I do. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that whole generational thing uh, to start. But it's important for us that we show forth the Father's love. When Jesus did come and when he did pay that price and we were able to stand in front of a holy God, righteous. You know what righteous mean? righteousness means? Righteousness is, it's un, it's in, um, this is in Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5. You get a chance to read those two chapters. Amazing chapters on faith and righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God and your sin never existed. 
It's as though you, you never, it's as though you are as clean as Adam was in the garden before he sinned. That's righteousness. That's Bible righteousness. And Jesus, who was fully righteous, took off his righteous coat and gave it to me. And he took my sinful coat and put it on. That's what the cross was for. That's why at some point, Jesus being on the cross, God turned his face because God can't connect with sin. And when Jesus carried all of the sin of humanity, that's why he screamed out. Even though he knew it was coming, he's like, ah, I've been with you forever. And prophetically, he said it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We've been together forever, eternity past. Here's this moment where the ultimate price that Jesus came to pay, he paid. And he did it for me. So that I can now, with his blood, stand in the presence of God. And when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is act, it's active right now in the presence of God. So if you ever even blow it, if you ever said something wrong or did something wrong, you can always confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How? With the blood of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. That's why whenever I go before God, I don't just say, hey, God. I'm like, no, in Jesus' name, I come into your presence. Man, that makes sense. Rave at me if all that made sense. All right, if it didn't, uh, look at it again online, rewind it, look at it again, rewind it. Read some of those passages. So everything flows from love. So I want to read something real quick from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Backdrop, there's a girl named Hannah, and Hannah, Hannah is, um, she's married, but she's never been able to have a baby. Everybody, all the other ladies in the community are having babies, but Hannah couldn't have a baby. And this one lady used to tease her. King James Version says it vexed. She used to vex her. <laughs> and she'd make her feel so horrible, so bad, so shamed. You don't have a baby. Look at you. And she would say, God, open my womb. God. One point, she was praying so hard and with such passion, just filled up, that her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out. And the priest looked at her and said, it's too early for you to be drunk. She's like, I'm not drunk. I want a child. And he said, oh. So they prayed together that God would open her womb and give her a child. A little while later, her and her husband are together. Intimately, she gets pregnant. Rewind, she said to God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. So she ends up having a son. When he was at an age, it was a young age, but he was still at, a, at an age where he, she could separate, you know, she sent him down to Eli, who was that same priest. She said, I'm, I promised God I would give him back. I'm giving him back. And uh, in the meantime, this same priest, Eli, he had two sons. And they were not honorable to God at all. I mean, they did wicked stuff, took advantage of people. It's horrible. And this, these are sons of a priest. And so, God says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct that. I'm going to correct it. And so, this is where we're picking up the story in second, 1 Samuel chapter 3. When you get a chance, read it. And you can even go back and read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. And you'll get a lot of what I said. And Holy Spirit will open it up more to you. Look at it. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. And we're talking about now, we're talking about messages from the Lord, we're talking about visions. I told you earlier, and I'll, I'll have them put up on the screen a little bit later, how to hear God's voice. 
And it's the ability to see, sometimes even past what you see in the natural. And the ability to hear, sometimes you can hear something, it's like, man, who said that? And sometimes that, that voice won't be audible, but it'll be just so loud in your spirit, in your heart. Remember when I was learning how to hear God's voice, part of my wiring, you can tell, you know, I, I'm more sort of right-brained, um, which means I, I flow with, you know, pictures and images and drawing and writing and singing and all of that kind of stuff and very in that regard and it doesn't mean that that's better than people who need to add things up things need to make sense i i i i need i need this thing to be locked in because i know you're telling me to sense but it's got to make sense to me and i had to learn how to be more of that other side but this side i still maintain so as i've learned how to hear god's voice i learned to give my whole left and right over to God. Present your body a living sacrifice in every other part of you. And so, um, I remember I was writing this song once, and in the song I said, you know, please let me know, Lord, how you feel. Please make it clear. Can you make it real? Open my eyes to see how you feel about me. I need to know. And then I heard him say, I love you. If you can just believe me, I'll take all of those things away. And so I, I, I share that with you to let you know that God's trying to get us to a place where all of us, our whole being is given to him. And not, I'm just going to worship God with my intellect or the other side. I'm just going to worship God by feeling and, and, and the mood and, and being able to sense. All of it is good. I learned how to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. So I had to run numbers. Because I'm thinking Holy Spirit's going to do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And then I ran numbers. And it's like, oh, not now. <laughs> We've got to understand certain things on how to hear God's voice. It's not all flow, but it's, all, it's also not all reasoning. He uses all of who we are. Does that make sense? Wave at me. If that makes sense. Yeah? Okay. And so it's important for us to learn this stuff. So go back to Samuel for me. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out. Everybody say, the Lord called out. Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Verse 8, so the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? <laughs> and Eli realized, wait a minute, it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Verse 9, so he said to Samuel, go lay down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Now I want to pause there. It's important for us to learn as best we can how to hear God's voice so that we are able to communicate it to the next generation. I just want to let you sit on that for a minute. Because see, when Samuel, when the Lord called Samuel, I told you, it's not this Samuel, Samuel. If it was like that, Samuel would have ran to Eli and said, yo, I heard this strange voice. So it must have sounded somewhat normal to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have involved Eli. So he goes in and he's talking to Eli, and Eli's like, okay, I didn't call you. 
I didn't call you. I didn't call you. I didn't call you. Oh, wait. This is familiar because God used to talk to me like that. I told you, some stuff had happened with Eli's son. You know, all of a sudden Eli's gotten older. His sons, they're doing all this wicked stuff. So the voice of God isn't all clear now. But when Samuel, now, tender-hearted man, tender, tender. So tender that whatever Eli tells him to do, he's doing. Eli, Eli told Samuel, it wasn't me, go back to bed. Samuel went right back to bed. Three times he went back to bed. And then the fourth time he went back to bed. But this time he said, when you hear that voice again, son, say this. I wish that what had happened with Eli and his sons hadn't happened. And that Eli was able to stay sensitive. As you go throughout the rest of the chapter, we don't have time to go through the entire uh, the verses up to 21. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says at some point, um, God tells Samuel, he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do to Eli and his sons. And I'm going to cut off that whole generation. The only ones that are going to be left are the ones that are going to be able to weep and mourn. I'm going to leave some so that they can mourn over Now, because we're in the New Testament, when we look back at an Old Testament picture, it's not supposed to bring a level of fear to us. That's why it's a new covenant. You understand? It's important for us to make sure we're looking at it through a redeeming lens. Redeeming lens. It's a picture that says, okay, I see what happened, but I'm also looking at it now. Since then, Jesus has come, and now I'm able to see the picture. What was the reasoning behind it? And so, he says, I'm going to wipe them out. They, they haven't been. And if you never read the New Testament and all you read is Old Testament, then you're, all you're going to see is God as a judge. When the old was supposed to be a schoolmaster, he's supposed to show you this is what's going on, this is what's going on, but I'm going to show you the redeeming part in a, in a little bit. And we even now are in a, dispens a dispensation of grace because there's going to come a day where the little God of this world, that's what the Bible calls the devil, the God of this world, the little G, He's going, to be, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And he says, before that happens, we're all going to look and see and say, is, is this the one that deceived the nations? This is the devil? you got to be kidding me. But we're not there yet. We are in this grace mode because God's trying to make sure that everybody sees Jesus as the answer. But we're also not in that, that age before Christ where it was a lot of judgment, where it was a lot of law. There's the Ten Commandments and then there's the 400 plus regulations. There was so much that you had to do perfect and right. And if you miss just one, that was the end of it. Even the priests had it bad. Because if he goes into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people for that year, if he goes in wrong, he's going to fall dead right in the presence of God. Because of it, there was a belt put around him that had bells all over it. And when the bells stopped ringing, that means that that priest went to the presence of God the wrong way. And there those men were pulling him out. Thank God for Jesus. Can you look at somebody and say, thank God for Jesus? I mean, man, in the Old Testament, if you were left-handed, you had a problem. Thank God for Jesus, because I'm left-handed. Thank God for Jesus. But God goes ahead and starts to tell Samuel all the stuff that's going to happen. Later on, towards the end of the chapter, Eli says, Samuel, come. What did God tell you? He says, Lord said, because of your sons. 
because of their wickedness, generations going to get cut off. There's only going to be those left. To, and he told them the whole thing that God told God. To, he actually spoke to Samuel and told Samuel all these things. And Eli said, okay, as the Lord has said. Because he knows. But what's the point on this next generation? That it's so important to make sure that, that before I came in the sanctuary today, I'd stopped down in the lower level where uh, David Kohler and, and others are leading these, these little ones. They're leading these little ones. It's, you know, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16. I saw a picture of it a couple weeks ago. The Lord told me to put it together. I want the little ones to be able to say to me, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. That's what Eli said. Eli said, the next time you hear the voice of the Lord, say this, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And he went on, it was the beginning of him, going on a journey and learning how to hear God's voice. And so I, I want to encourage you, please, if you have children in your life, it doesn't matter how old they are, start helping them to be able to say, speak, Lord. Now, I'm not saying use King James Version, Old Testament, so I'm not saying that. But you want to get them to a place where they're saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. I know that's what we did with our kids. Teach them how to hear God's voice. You know, when I learned how God was talking, it was through my dad, who was a very firm disciplinarian. And so, as a result, I only saw God firm. I never saw God as love. When I, when I worship now, when I spend time talking to God, when I'm doing two-way journaling, which is what we were practicing this past Wednesday, how to ask God a question and then how to tune in to hear, is that what God is saying? And then they even have a group around and says, yo, you, you're hearing right. Not necessarily what was said, but how it was said. But growing up, man, it was... So now when I talk to him, man, my, my emotions fill because I know God's talking to me. And he calls me Terry, he calls me son, he calls me my beloved. There's so many wonderful names that he has for me. And I had to learn God's character, that he wasn't always looking, you know, making sure I was doing the right thing so he could throw a lightning bolt. Cause me to lose the job, or cause me to lose the house, or cause me to get into an accident, or break my leg, or give me a disease. Oh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came that you might have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have the life of God, the eternal life of God. Yes, it lasts forever, but it's life that is continuously life and light, and he has put that in the spirit of all those who accept Jesus Christ. But then verse 17, I just quoted John 3, 16. Verse 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, God's son, might be saved. The Message Bible is probably my favorite translation. It says, God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point out your defects and wave an accusing finger. He came to make things right. When I saw it like that, man, it changed everything for me. And I began to see him as father. But I also began to represent him as father. That's huge. And so we have to find a way to make sure that we understand the love of the father and that we're able to communicate it to these little ones so that they're not finding out how God feels about them at 30 years old. When so much habit has gotten kicked in. There's a lot of religion in me that I had to get worked out. Everything was judgment, but more importantly, everything was fear. It's fear. I lived for God based on fear. And whenever, hmm, man, whenever I felt like I did enough good things and I had a span of time long enough where I didn't sin, I felt like, man, I'm right with God. This is good. 
until I found out that he loves me, period. It wasn't based on my works of righteousness. It was because of his mercy. So I started loving him and responding to him based on love. It wasn't fear anymore. It was like, wow, you, you really do love me. I found the passage of scripture that says, uh, uh, with loving kindness, I drew you in. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repent and not you better get yourself ready. Otherwise, God's going to come and the fire of God is going to. Mm. No, that's why that girl cried that day. And that's why she let me pray with her. And it doesn't mean that God winks at sin. It doesn't mean that God's not holy. It doesn't mean that. But he wants us to grow in knowledge and in grace. And even when, even when we get off track, he calls to us. Sometimes we, it's hard for us to hear that voice. If you're that person that takes advantage of it, then I would encourage you to lead. I would encourage you to read Romans chapter, um, Romans chapter six, because after faith, right standing with God, and after grace, is this that that amazing picture that brings us right standing with God? Paul uses this language in the beginning of chapter 6 of the book of Romans. I really want to encourage you, read Romans chapter, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. He says, so, those of you that are listening to this, shall we continue to sin that we get a whole bunch more grace? He says, no, 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 God forbid, don't think like that. Uh, one translation says, banish the thought. He says, don't you know that whoever you yield yourself your, your members and, you know, your, all, of, all of who you are to obey, that person or that, that you become a slave to that. So he's not coming saying, hey, here's the judgment. No, he's saying, I don't want you bound up with that. So stay close to me so that I can fill you and strengthen you and set you free. Everybody say this. Everything flows from love. Okay, so let's, um, let's just wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. I'm going to give you a passage of scripture. And, um, mm, man. St. John chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. St. John chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. It's up on the screen. Um, you can take a picture of that so that, that you, can, you can see just in case you... I have notes, but here's what he says. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son. Shows him everything. In fact, in fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Prior to this, this passage, it was a man that Jesus healed who was trying to get into the river. And the guy couldn't get into the river because apparently every year an angel would stir up this, this water and there was healing in it. So during that time, people would just run there and just try and get in and get healed. Well, if you're lame, you can't get in there. So people were getting there in front of him. Jesus showed up and said, hey, what do you want me to do? And he said, I, and he started telling them the story. He says, but what do you want me to do? So Jesus ended up healing the man. But when they started questioning him all, he said, look, I only do what the father. Man, oh man, oh man. I only do what I see the father doing. And you wrap that around healing. Because the father is a healer. Look at somebody and say, the father loves you. And he wants you healed. See, all of this started with Jesus healing a dude. And he even told the dude, go and don't sin anymore. Otherwise, something bigger will happen. Go and don't sin anymore. He didn't say, go and don't sin anymore, or I'm going to put something on you. He didn't say that. 
He says, go and stay away from that stuff. Like the woman who was caught at the act of adultery, they came and threw her down in front of the church and they said, Jesus, you know, Moses says we're supposed to stone her and kill her. What do you say? He starts writing on the ground. This whole strategy, the Holy Spirit is telling Jesus what you do in this. He starts writing on the ground. Then the Holy Spirit speaks to his ear from the Father. Say, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. He's getting real-time intel. And they all started dropping their stones, from the oldest to the least. And then they exited. Yet this girl stayed. Why did she stay? There's this old hymn. It says, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like him. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. That girl who represented, check this out, she represented the worst form of love. Because there's, there's, uh, there's, there's filio, which is the deep friendship. There is storge. These are Greek words. There's storge. You get filio from Philadelphia. See your brother in love. You know, like, you know, brother, deep affection, sister affection. That's filio. Then there's the other one. It's storge. Storge is comradeship. We were in school together. We grew up in the same neighborhood together. You know, I, that, that deep stuff. I, I, I met these two young ladies this morning. I said, I said, I said how, how are you guys connected? She said, we're just great friends. And they started going back. One of them said, yeah, we're friends for, you know, since, since high school. Another one said, no, 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 no. Remember 15? We've been friends way back. It's like, wow. So they got that story gay thing, comradeship. Maybe you're in college together. Maybe you're in the military together. Maybe you worked in a job together. Whatever it is, there's like, that story gay. But then there is agape. There's agape. Now, before agape, there's eros. Eros is, of all of them, the lowest. It's just the basic passion. It's base passion. It's, and, and it's good to have that passion in some areas as long as it is filtered by God. But most of what our culture says, if you feel like it, go get it. Obey your thirst. That's, that's the Eros piece. But then agape is, and I've given you this before, it's the God-given, God-given ability to view another as, anybody know? Valuable and precious. And so here, the highest form of love met head-on with a perversion of the lowest form of love. Here's this woman who was caught in the act of adultery standing in the presence of Jesus. The one who sees all is valuable and precious. And she could have snuck out. But there was something in him that drew her in and made her feel accepted, valuable, loved. That's what we have to show our kids. We got to show them. The end of... Well, I'll start off by saying every year since probably 2011, as many of you know, I oversee multiple congregations. And so what I've planted every time um, is throughout the year having moments of reset. In January, we try to go on a 40-day journey or a 21-day journey. It involves fasting, it involves reading scriptures, you know. Get my attention on God at the beginning of my year. I'm going to give myself to him. Same thing happens, same thing happens in the spring. We use that as a moment. The last time that it happens is the season that we're in right now, about to go into the fall. And we have this week called Take All of Me Week. Take All of Me Week is really coming from the passage of scripture in Matthew and in Mark where it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And then love people the way you want to be loved. So it's a reset. It's a reset. This week in all of the congregations, and, and we want to do it here as well. And what happens as a reset, habits. We start to work on some habits. And so for you know, as you see on the, the schedule that's up there for the week, you know, Monday, there's scriptures that, that we read. Every day we meet at 6 a.m. We get on a prayer line 
and we'll pray at the beginning of the day. We dedicate it to the Lord. And so there'll be someone leading um, the prayer. And you just dial it. You might even be able to do it while you're driving to work. Dial in, put the code in, and just hear the attention for you and for others who are connected, saying, God, we're coming to your mountain. And before September comes, after coming out of this summer mode. And I remember the first time the Lord gave it to me, it was on University City. And I had all these college students and it was just, I mean, just, you know, you come off a of spring break, you come off all the stuff that happens in the, in the summertime. And it's like, man, we need to really give ourselves to God. So start off really dealing with these college students. He says, okay, you're about to start fresh. Don't just start fresh with the new semester. Start fresh with God. And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we made a decision that we're going to skip one or two, and for however many of you are seasoned and you've, you've fasted before so you know about denying your flesh so that you can hear more of what God is saying. So we're going to do that this week. There are passages of scripture that strengthen you, and I'm going to, this, this coming Wednesday, we're going to be here in person, and we're going to make sure that we're, we're lined up with that, sensitive to the Lord. And then Friday, we're actually going to be in Philadelphia, Christ Community, on Penn's campus right there at 40th and Chestnut. And we're just going to have a, you know, one of those altar moments where we just all come to the Lord in the altar and say, God, I want, it, I want this reset. I don't want anything to separate old songs. says nothing between my soul and my Savior. And so this is Take All of Me week. And this isn't a pressure thing. So don't think, oh, God, now i got to do this. No, everything flows out of love. Out of love. You know the Father loves you? Then respond to his love. Don't respond to a ritual. Don't respond to, I'm doing this systematically because... No, do it because he loves you and you love him. In fact, everything you do from here on out, do it out of love. Do it out, I love God. Even with offering, they collected an offering earlier. And you're bringing tithes. Do it out of love. Don't do, oh, I gotta do, oh, I gotta, no. You miss the benefit if you do it with the wrong purpose and you miss the growth opportunity. So that's what's gonna happen with our schedule for the week. The last thing that I'm gonna ask you to do, they have put baskets up here. We did this earlier in the year um, during Easter, uh, Holy Week. We're gonna do it again. Um, I want you to write down names in your family. And it could be you. You can say, Pastor, I need to put my name on here. Because during the week, we're going to be praying over all of these names. So if they're friends or family members, if you need a pencil, I think they already gave cards out. If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. It's just a three by five card. Oh, we got a few cards over here. Okay. All right. Okay. So whoever was doing it over here, <laughs> they're all good. So let's, let's work this side. And if you need a pencil or a pen, just raise your hand. They have those available too. I want you to write down the names of family. Or it might be your neighbor. Or it might be your boss. Write those names down. Because we're going to be praying along with you for God to move in a transforming way, showing his great love. Showing his great love. Showing his great love. Now, while you're writing those names down, hey, can you, hey guys, can you put up on the screen, put up on the screen uh, Philippians chapter 1, and I'm sorry, yeah, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, and, and then um, Colossians chapter 1, verse, well, you just put the, the um, um, Jack, can you just put the, top, the, the, the passage up? You don't have to, the, the, the whole thing, just, but just the scripture itself. I want them to know location. So Philippians chapter 1, verses, um, one to, verses 9 to 11. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. And then um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 14 to 20, I think it is. It's either 19 or 20. Yep. And I want you guys to get these passages. And every day, I just want you to pray this over yourself. Pray it over yourself. This is, these are amazing pictures of what God wants to do 
in your spirit, your newborn spirit. And so they'll put those up there. You'll be able to take a, a snapshot of that in a minute. Um, for now, please write those names down. Write those names down. When we're done, make your way up front and just drop the name in the basket. Drop the name in the basket. Be filled with compassion as you write these names down. Because if you don't pray, I was at an event on Thursday night, and there's about 5,000 people there. And they were there for a concert. They were there to see these artists. Um, a guy named uh, Lauren Torin Wells, I think that was his name, Torin Wells. And uh, Tasha Cobb and Cece Winans. And they're all, they're all there. But before they came on, I, I addressed the group and I said, um, I want you to pray for your street. Pray for your street. And I started telling people throughout the rest of the evening, if you don't pray for your street, who's going to pray for your street? Who's going to pray if you don't? Oh, well, somebody will. There's a church in the neighborhood. But how do you know they're going to pray? If you're an ambassador on the street, you pray for them. But then the second thing I, I said to them, I said, Pray for your family. If you don't pray for your family, who's, who's going to pray for them? Who? Who? Could it be that if the woman at the well who got delivered by Jesus did not go back to the town, that that town would have missed Jesus? She was the one. What about the guy who had been put out of the town because he had a demon in him and they put him in a cave? Because they didn't want ugly in their, they didn't want ugly in their town. They didn't want that in their town. Jesus walks past the cave and delivers the man, sets him free. And so the guy is like, Jesus, wherever you go, I want to go. Jesus is like, no, don't, don't follow me. You go back home. Go to your town, go to your family. You tell them about the goodness, man. Mm. All my life you have been faithful. Mm. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able. I will sing of the goodness of God. Can you tell people that? All my life you have been faithful. Make it like you're telling somebody. All my life he has been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Mm. So tell that to your family. All my life, he's been faithful. Man, all my life, he's just been so good. Every chance, every time I see you, every time I see you, Kevin, every time I see you, Sonia, every time I see you, you're going to hear me talk about the goodness of God. With every breath that I am able, thank you, Jesus, with the goodness of God. Hey, look, so let's, um, Let's close out. Before we leave, I just, whether those of you that may be watching online or if anybody came in here today and you've heard about God in just this weird way that he's mad at you, may I tell you that he's not. 
Are you doing things that he wish you wouldn't? Absolutely. Is he holy? Yes, he is. Have you aligned your actions maybe with some of the things that the devil aligns with? But the father is saying, my arms are open. Come to me. I will not turn you away. I love you with an everlasting love. And all of that stuff, whether it's addiction, whether it's shame or guilt, whether it's pride, he says, we can, we can work with all of that. When you find out how much love I have and the very power I have to set you free, you're going to say, man, why didn't I make this decision a long time ago? Because God, you're so good. And so I want to just lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. If, you, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, I just, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And you know, everybody help. Everybody, every, everybody, even the Christians that are in the room. Let me say it as well. Say, God, I believe you love me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins and to make me right with you. And so today, I confess that I need you. Take all of my sin away. Make me new. I receive your love, which comes through Jesus Christ. And today, I turn my back on sin and Satan and all that is wrong. And I welcome you, Father God, through Jesus Christ. Flood my spirit with your light and with your life, with your love. I give myself to you. And I declare that from this moment forward, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Help me to grow and put the great people in your family around me to help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Whether you did that for the first time or you repeated because you were trying to encourage others, will you hug the person next to you and say, oh, it's so good to be in the kingdom of God. So good. <laughs> I saw you, Zeke. I saw you, man. I saw you. <laughs> oh, hey, look, let's stand to our feet. All my life you have been faithful. Turn up, turn up, turn up. <laughs> All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the good.